Good morning, everybody. My name is Brandon, and I am the kids and student director here, and uh, it's great to see all of you. Um, hey, I have, I have something really cool to share, too. Uh, I want to, before we get into the teaching, I just want to share this uh, to go along with the HOPE project. Um, so the students, I, uh, those are our 6th through 12th graders who meet every Sunday night, and I challenged them two weeks ago. I said, two weeks ago, we're going to get involved in the HOPE project. I want to see... Uh, these teenagers, I want to see you guys, I want to see you be generous. And I gave them a goal. I said, by December 20th, um, I want to see you guys uh, give $1,000. Okay, 6th through 12th graders. I challenged them. I said, I know this is going to stretch you. I know this is a lot, but I feel like you guys can do it. All right, here's, I didn't dream big enough. Because just this past Sunday, our students gave $1,000. It was, guys, it was, it, it was unreal. One night, our students gave $1,000. I had two students, a brother and a sister, actually tell me uh, that they gave 10% of their entire bank account um, because they felt like they just wanted to be radically generous. And our kids are actually, in our kids' ministry, we're actually doing the same thing. They have a goal of $500, and they've actually... Uh, these are kids, by the way. These are toddlers. These are pre-Kers. These are first graders. They've given uh, over $200 um, just in the past two weeks. That is what teenagers can do. That's what kids can do. And radical generosity is contagious. So I want to challenge you guys, too, as adults. How can we be generous during this season, right? So anyway, that has nothing to do with our teaching. But I thought it was really cool, so I wanted to share it. Um, but this week, uh, I'm so excited to be able to teach. Uh, how many, Do you guys know Christmas is in a week and a half, right? Okay, cool. I'm just checking uh, because it's coming up quick this year. Uh, 2020 has been the longest eight years of my life, and uh, it's almost over. Uh, how many of you guys, show of hands real quick, have all of your Christmas shopping done? Oh my gosh, okay. This, this crew's got to step it up, all right? Now, I know my wife and I, like, uh, it, it's a little trimmed down this year just with COVID and stuff, um, but I feel good. I'm, like, 85% done, right? Feel really, usually, what is today? Usually by December 13th, I have 0% done. So I feel a lot better this year where I'm at. Um, and by the way, you guys, the church is open all week. You can drop your presents off for me whenever you want. Whenever you want, the church is open, Okay. Uh, I'm just kidding, but I'm so excited. We're, we're in a special at the movies holiday edition teaching series, um, and we've been looking at some of our favorite Christmas classics um, and looking at some really important biblical truths um, that we should be applying to our life. And this week, we're looking at a uh, favorite of many, and I'm going to see if you guys can guess it just, just based on these two quotes. Okay, I'm going to give you two quotes. You have to guess what movie it is. Okay, the first quote is... He's an angry elf. Okay, okay, hold on. I know, see, everybody already knows. Second quote, just for fun, is you smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay, what movie am I talking about? Elf. Okay, how many of you guys have seen Elf before? Okay, better question. How many of you have seen Elf more than five times? How many of you have seen it more than 10 times? Okay, let's be honest. How many of you have seen it more than 20 times? Yeah, we could be honest. Okay, this is a Christmas classic. Uh, and for those of you that haven't seen it and you've been living under a rock for 15 years, 
uh, go home and watch it this week. But spoiler alert, here's what the movie is about. Elf is all about a human. His name is Buddy. Uh, and Buddy lives in the North Pole, Santa and all of the elves. But Buddy, over time, realizes that something's missing. He realizes that something's different. And he develops this sort of like unrest. He's like, I have to figure out what's missing. And there's this moment early on in the movie, actually, where he starts to realize, he's like, crap, I don't think I'm an actual elf. And he's running through this little like forest scene, and he comes to, you guys know, Leon the snowman. And he walks up to Leon, and he's like, Leon, I'm just struggling. Like, I I don't think I'm an elf. And Leon says, of course you're not an elf. You're six foot three, and you've had a beard since you were 14. Like, you're, you're not an elf. That should have been very clear to you. And so Buddy knows he's a little different. And so he begins the search for his true father in New York City. Because Buddy was desperate for something he didn't have. Buddy knew something was missing, and, and he was desperate for a family, for purpose, for identity, And he was willing to leave his comfort. He was willing to leave everything he had ever known. I mean, my man lived in the North Pole with Santa Claus. Like, he was willing to leave that to go and find this thing that he was missing. And just like Buddy, we can all feel the same sometimes. And so I want you all to think really quick. What is something you are desperate to have in your life right now? What is something in your life that you feel is missing? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it a job? Is it purpose? Is it more time and a deeper walk with Jesus? Is it more time with your kids? Because when we feel like something is missing in our life, it leaves us in this place of unrest. It leaves us in this place where all we can think about is that thing that's missing, that hole that we have, And today we're going to look at this amazing story in the book of John. And it's all about a woman who is wrestling with this very thing. And and she she was somebody that was lost. She was somebody that was scared. And she was somebody that was searching for something that she didn't have. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. So if you have your, your hardcover Bibles, it's towards the end, okay, towards the end of the Bible, second half of the Bible, the fourth book of the New Testament, John chapter 4. Um, you can also pull it up on your smartphone, get the Bible app. It's a great resource to have. Um, and it'll be on the screens, too, to, to try to make it easy. So John chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. And here's, here's where we kind of pick the story up. So Jesus... Jesus is on his way to Galilee from Judea, Um, and Jesus becomes tired. Okay, it's a long journey to get from Judea to Galilee, and he becomes tired, and so he stops at this well to get a drink of water, and that's exactly where we're going to pick it up in John chapter 4, verses 5 to 8, and it says, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Okay, I want all of you to remember noontime. Remember noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Okay, and to to really understand this story, 
To really understand why this is important, there are a few cultural things that we have to know about what's going on here. The first is that this woman is walking way out of town to this well during the hottest part of the day. She's walking out to this well at what time? Noontime. Noontime's the hottest part of the day. And she chose to walk at that time. Why? Because she wanted some me time. I just need some me time, so I'm going to walk to the well by myself. No. It's because she was an outsider. It's because she was an outcast in that society. This wasn't her alone time. This was her avoiding other people. This was her making sure I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to deal with anybody. Because during this time, during this context, okay, the women would all go together to the well in the morning and in the evening because those were the two coolest parts of the day. And they'd go to the well, and it was like their happy hour, right? They're schmoozing, they're chatting, they're spilling the tea, they're gossiping a little bit. You know, that's what they're doing at the well, and they're all hanging out. But this woman didn't want to be a part of that. She chooses to go and get the water at the well at noontime. Why does she do that? Well, we're going to find that out later. So getting back to the story, it's her and it's Jesus at this well alone. And then verse 9, we pick it up. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why, why are you asking me for a drink? She's like taken aback. She's like, wait, 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 hold on. Uh, why, number one, why are you talking to me? And number two, please don't talk to me again. She's thrown off that this guy is talking to her, especially because he's Jewish and she's Samaritan. Because those two groups of people hated each other. Hated each other. In fact, this is how much they hated each other. Okay, so you have Judea here. You have Galilee up here, and you have Samaria in the middle, okay? And for somebody from Judea to get to Galilee, they hated Samaritans so much, they would actually go out and around Samaria to get to Galilee so they didn't have to interact with any Samaritans. Okay, for example, it would be like, if you want to get to Maine, right? Doing a little long weekend in Maine, the best state in New England, in my opinion, because I'm from there. Uh, say you're trying to get to Maine, the only problem is you hate people from New Hampshire, okay? <laughs> Which some of you, maybe that's not a stretch. I don't know. Uh, and you all know there's that little stretch of New Hampshire that on I-95 to get to Maine, you got to drive through a little bit of New Hampshire, right? But you hate New Hampshire so much that what you do instead is you actually go out, you go up through Vermont, you go all the way up into Canada, you come back into Maine, and that's how you get to Maine. That is what the Jewish people did to avoid Samaria, that's how much they hated Samaritans. And so she is shocked that this guy, this Jewish man is speaking to her. Not only that, but she's taken aback because she's clearly used to being judged. She's clearly used to not being acknowledged, to being avoided. There's a reason, right? She's going by herself to draw water. It's because she's so sick and tired of people just judging her that she's like, I'm going to go by myself. Hottest part of the day, I don't care. I'm going to go. Does anyone else ever feel like that in the room? 
you feel like you're just being judged, you feel like you're being uh, not acknowledged. Jesus' response, I love this, verse 10, John chapter 4. And Jesus replied to her, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. Jesus says, if you only knew, if you only knew who I am, if you only knew what I could offer you, if you only knew what you are missing out on right now. See, Jesus doesn't slow play this conversation. Jesus isn't like, yeah, let's actually, let's chit chat. What's going on in your life? Tell me. Jesus is right to the heart of it. Jesus is, I know something's going on. Let's talk about it. And he does this all the time. If you look at Jesus's interactions in the Bible, Jesus doesn't slow play it. Jesus is like, listen, we have an issue. Let's get to it. Okay. I'm not here for small talk. Jesus gets right to it. You've been looking in the wrong place. I have what you seek. Stop looking at other things and come to me. I'm the one that you've been searching for. Because this woman was searching. This woman felt like something was missing. She could feel that something wasn't right. Is that where you are this morning? Did you have that feeling this week where something just, it just felt a little off? You felt like something was missing. You felt like there's something more. You felt like there's just a hole and you, you can't figure out what is supposed to go there. And Jesus wasn't going to wait. Jesus was going to get right to it. Something is off. And when something is off in our life so quickly, we will rearrange everything going on to figure out what is off, right? We'll rearrange everything. Buddy the elf, like he does the exact same thing. I mean, things are good, Santa's workshop, right? Buddy's kind of living the life that we all dream of. He's Santa's workshop, Santa's hanging out with him, elves. I mean, he's a little slow on making etch-a-sketches, but like, other than that, he's doing, Buddy the elf kind of has it all. But he felt that something was off. He felt like something was missing. And he knew he had to find his family, and he was willing to leave comfort. He was willing to leave everything he'd ever known. He was willing to leave uh, his family at that point to go and find it. Because Buddy, Buddy knew that to feel complete, he knew he had to leave all of that behind. To feel complete and find what he was missing, he knew he had to leave that behind. And people, listen, okay, people thought Buddy was a little crazy, right? The whole movie, I mean, people are like, this guy's a whack job. Okay, I don't know what's going on. And just to prove my point, check out this quick video clip. Am I sick? Yeah, but that's not what we're here. We're here to do a test. Come on. What kind of test? Just a test to find out if you're my son or not. Why am I sitting on paper? Because it's sanitary for the other patients. Now sit still so I can do the finger prick. <gasps> finger prick? <gasps> it's cold. Yeah. 
please sit still, please? Okay, can I listen to your necklace? No, you can't. Can you just sit still? Why is there a skeleton? I don't know. What, Walter, could you please? Like could you please have him sit Does still so I can do this? No, he has got a name. I'm sorry, man. I'm just waiting. Please sit still, please. He got mad at me. Yes, he did. The sooner you sit still, the sooner we can get this mess over with. Okay, then can we eat sugar plums? You betcha. We'll eat sugar plums and gingerbread houses, and we'll even paint eggs. We'll paint eggs. That's easier. finger has a heartbeat. I love that. Um, so Buddy, his dad takes him to the doctor because he's like, we got to institutionalize this guy. I don't know what's going on. He's eating cotton balls. He's, he's saying he's an elf. And everybody looked at Buddy and they were like, this guy is crazy. And sometimes to find what we need to feel complete in life, people are going to look at you and think you're crazy. People are going to look at you and say, listen, what you're doing right now doesn't make any sense. Like what you just left behind to go and pursue doesn't make any sense. And what God might ask you to leave behind might go against everything that society and cultural norms say is normal. Just like the woman at the well. Just like Buddy the Elf. And I know there are some of you in this room that right now you feel incomplete. You feel like something is missing in your life and you can't figure out what it is. And so my question to you, as you feel that emptiness, as you feel that thing that's missing is, what are you running to to try to fill that need? What are you running to to try to fill that void in your life? Because here's the thing, we all run towards something Right? We all naturally go towards something. When something is missing, we naturally try to find out what it is, and we go towards something. We see that with the story of the woman at the well. We see it with Buddy the Elf. We see it in our own lives. And here's what we have to pay attention to. When something is missing, when something is missing, whatever we run to before God is an idol. When something is missing, whatever you're running to before God, it's an idol in your life. It's an idol. Social media, Facebook, substances, job, money, or maybe it's just attention from other people. And see, for the woman at the well, it was attention from other people that when she felt something was missing, that's what she ran towards. John chapter 4, verses 15 to 19. The woman says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. We're going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Jesus says, go and get your husband. She said, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with right now, he's not your husband. You aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. And she said, sir, you must be a prophet. Now, this woman probably thought she was just going to get some water. And here she is. Jesus is like, yeah, you've had five husbands. Okay, probably a little different than what she thought was going to happen at the well. Okay, little different scenario than maybe she thought she was walking into. 
But Jesus wanted to show her, listen, here's what you're running to. Here's who you're running to. You felt like something is missing in your life and you've been looking in the wrong place. And before you follow me, before I give you this living water, I wanted to make sure you see the idol that's in your life. I wanted to make sure you see what your tendency will be to run towards when you feel like something's missing. And for this woman, it was men. Acceptance from men had become her idol. But what she found was husband number two didn't fill that void. Husband number three didn't fill that void. Husband four came pretty close. Didn't fill that void. And now she's with some dudes, not even her husband, trying to fill that thing that she's been missing. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're only going to feel complete when you restore your relationship with your heavenly father. That is the only thing that will fill that gap, fill that void that you feel so deeply in your life. See, Buddy the Elf, he was only going to feel complete when his relationship with his dad was restored. And that's why he kept going. He walked all the way through the Lincoln Tunnel, right? Through the whatever with swirly, twirly gumdrops, right? Buddy the Elf did whatever it took, no matter how hard it was, because he knew to feel complete, he had to restore his relationship with his dad. Her desire was to find what was missing, but she was looking in all the wrong places. And now, the woman at the well is faced with a choice, just like you and I are faced with a choice every day. See, Jesus offers us two choices every single day. Are we going to hold on to temporary things from this world and idols and think that we know better? Or are we going to put those aside and are we going to go towards Jesus? Every decision you make, you're picking one or the other. Every word you say, every day, Jesus is giving you those two choices. Which one are you going to go towards? Which one are you going to choose? What is that roadblock for you? What is that vice? What is that idol in your life that you're holding on to that's holding you back from finding complete fulfillment in Jesus, for the woman at the well, it was, it was men. The problem was she was trying to fill a permanent thirst with a temporary source. She was trying to fill this permanent thirst with a temporary source. It, it would kind of be like if January 1st, right, New Year's Day, that was the only day that in the United States we were permitted to drink water. Okay? January 1st, so everybody stockpiles and gets all the water, fill their houses with it, whatever. Everybody drinks water all day. Sun up to sundown, like, all right, I have to drink enough water to sustain me for the next 364 days. But what you find out on day three is the body needs water every single day. The body needs water every single day. And no, I'm so sorry, coffee does not count, okay? I know there's water in it, but it doesn't count, okay? She was looking to fill a permanent thirst with a temporary source. In verse 14, Jesus says, listen, I have a solution. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. 
It doesn't say those that drink the water I offer will sometimes get thirsty. Jesus says we'll never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus right here, he's not talking about a well that might run dry. Jesus is talking about a spring that never stops flowing, that never stops giving life, giving water, that gives you the best water you could ever taste, and it never runs out. So pick either a well that runs dry or pick a life-giving water source that never runs out. Because when Jesus is your source, he's not temporary, he's forever. When Jesus is your source, he isn't just enough, he's more than enough. Jesus is everything that we will ever need. But what the world will offer you, what society will say that you need to find fulfillment in this life is money and sex and power and relationships and a great job, and a 401k, and a big house. You need all of these things to find fulfillment. But if you show me a rich person that has everything, guys, I guarantee you they're missing something. How often do we hear of celebrities that have more money than they know what to do with, but they're always saying, "Eh, there's still just something missing. I need more. It's because they're looking at temporary things. 1 John 2.17 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. But these are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, to feel complete... To find true fulfillment, it's going to come from within. It's going to come from something that only Jesus can do inside of your heart. It can only be found in Jesus. Verses 25 and 26 of John chapter 4. The woman's starting to, she's like, okay, all of this kind of makes sense, but I still have some questions. And she says, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes... He'll explain all of this to us. It all makes sense. When this Messiah comes, he'll explain everything. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you have been looking for. And I love here, right? Jesus has just talked to her about, listen, I know you've had uh, a bunch of husbands and you're actually living with a guy. Jesus doesn't go into a guilt trip. Jesus doesn't start shaming this woman. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, I probably should have avoided this well. Jesus gives her hope. Jesus shows her that he is everything she's been searching for in her life. And today, Jesus is offering you the same thing. He's offering each of you, whether it's your first time in this church or your thousandth thousandth time in this church. Jesus is offering you hope and everything that you will ever need. He wants you to hear that he wants to help you out of this. He wants you to find fulfillment in what you were created for. We see the woman's response here in verses uh, 27 to 29. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. 
I love this. They come back and they're like, wait, wait, Jesus, you know, Samaritan woman and a woman probably shouldn't be talking to her. Okay. But I, I love this next part, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? Like they know something's up and they're like, ah, I probably shouldn't say anything. This seems pretty important. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And in this moment, she leaves her water jar because she had to put down her water jar in order to receive the living water. And this morning, in order to receive grace, you have to leave the idols behind. This morning, in order to receive grace, you have to leave the idols behind. Not tomorrow, not two weeks from now, not 10 years from now. Before you get up out of your seat today, before you leave this building, Jesus wants you to leave those idols in your chair. Say, I'm done. Buddy had to leave the North Pole. And she had to leave her water jar. What is God asking you this morning to leave behind? What is he asking you to leave behind? What is that thing in your life that, that you need to put down, that you've been trying to find fulfillment in, that you've just been clinging on to, hoping that it would fill this hole that you've had inside of your heart, just hoping, I need this in my life to find fulfillment. But every time you look to it for fulfillment, it comes up short. What is your water jar? Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's relationships with other people. Maybe it's money. If there's anything that COVID taught us this year, it's like all of those things are temporary, right? Every single one of those things can go away and go away quickly. You need to put it down. You need to leave it behind. And it's time for a, to, to allow Jesus to take over that part of your life. There's work that needs to be done in your heart and in my heart. And it might take some uncomfortable conversations, right? It might take some work to get there. But you never know how God might use your act of obedience to affect those around you and change lives of those around you. I'm going to read verse 29 and then verse 30 again of John chapter 4. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She runs back to her village and she's saying all of this. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Now here's what happens because of her act of obedience. So the people came streaming out of the village to see him. This simple act of obedience had a chain reaction. Just like this clip from Elf. Check this out. You better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice, Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for good 
you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not cry. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, still no sign of Santa, but some spontaneous Christmas caroling has broken out right here in front of Central Park. Let's have a listen in. When you're sleeping, he knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Singing. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're just moving your lips. Michael, please, what's the big deal? Dad? Santa Claus is coming to Their singing was contagious, right? Buddy's Christmas joy was contagious. And your faith and your obedience are meant to be contagious to those around you. But right now it's not because you are clinging on to that idol for dear life that nothing about you is contagious. There's a reason why. Jesus is sitting patiently at the wells because we can be so stubborn. And Jesus knows, I'm going to sit here patiently. I'm going to wait. And the whole time I'm sitting here, I want you to remember who your father is. I want you to remember what I can offer you. I want to give you something where you will never need that water jug ever again. The same way that Buddy the Elf, his life was fulfilled when he finally restores his relationship with his dad, Jesus wants to offer you the same thing. No more temporary fulfillment, no more temporary satisfaction, but forever fulfillment in him. So this morning, what is your water jar? What is that thing that you are holding on to so tight, trying to find fulfillment in? What is that water jar? Because you need to let go of it to receive more of Jesus. And it's a struggle. Listen, this is a struggle we all have. All of us are humans. I struggle with this, this desire to find fulfillment in this life. And so often we can look everywhere else around us. Meanwhile, Jesus is standing patiently in front of us, offering us fulfillment in everything. But you have to put down your water jar first. You have to be willing to leave that jar at the well. And when Jesus becomes your fulfillment, when Jesus becomes your center, when he becomes everything that you need, you don't need temporary idols anymore. You don't need that water jug anymore. Because what Jesus offers, it isn't a well that might run dry. Jesus offers a spring that never runs out. So whatever you feel like you're missing this morning, we all feel maybe like we're missing different things. Wherever you feel empty, take it to him 
and ask him to fill that need for you. Because you won't be complete, you won't feel complete until you go to Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you don't offer us a temporary fix. God, you offer a life-giving source. God, a source that never runs out. God, where we can find fulfillment in every area of our life if we just look to you. But God, it's, it's more comfortable. It's easier to hold on to those idols, those water jugs in our life. It's easier to hold on to those things. But God, you haven't called us to live a life of comfort. I pray that this morning, God, it, the water jugs in my life, would I leave them here? God, so that I can find all the fulfillment in my life in you. That I wouldn't look to temporary things anymore. God, we would look to you. And it might be hard. It might take time. God, it might take accountability. It might take sharing what that idol is so that when we feel like we might run back to it, we can let somebody know and they can help us get through it. God, whatever it is, help us to find all of our fulfillment in you. We thank you, God, for just another day of life. We, we give you praise and glory because you are just worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen.